Everyone, this three questions with Star Saxy. There we go. Star in Florida. Can I say that? <laughs> yep. Star and I just found out we're neighbors. We're basically, what, an hour away from each other, right? Just about. Something like that. So we're both in Florida and uh, we are recording this in a day where the places we used to live are freezing. <laughs> so, right? New York is freezing, Edmonton, Alberta is freezing, and I'm wearing shorts. So, uh, little, little shout out to all my friends in Canada. Sorry about the weather. So little, little shout out. So, Hey, I, we're actually doing a three questions, but it's on uh, stars, uh, most recent book, student led assessment, promoting agency and achievement through portfolios and conferences. Uh, and I'm correct. You wrote this with, um, published this with the ASCD. Uh, yep. and so, uh, I, I like. I am really excited to talk to you about this book, um, especially I have been a huge advocate of portfolios. One of the things he, here's something in, I'm just, this is like kind of, I know we're at past uh, Festivus, but I'm going to air a grievance right now. Right. So, you know, Seinfeld reference, right. You know, mm -hmm. Seinfeld. so when I'm curious what your thoughts on this, I know I got two questions for you. Maybe this is like a, a third one. I hate when people say, we need to get rid of standardized tests and they say this in education and I don't hate that idea. I hate the idea that they don't actually say like, we should get rid of this and do this. That's yes. what bugs me. And so it's like, so a lot of people think, well, there's no accountability if you just get rid of like, what are you going to do? And so my, my big thing is portfolios could be a way that we can really yeah. show what's the amazing things that are happening in school, but really develop kids. Um, and, and highlight them, but also help them find their strengths, what they really love through that process. So I don't know. I know that's, I, that wasn't one of the questions. What, like, what do you think of that? Cause that it's, that's what it's like, don't say, get rid of this, but don't offer an a solution. Show me, show me an opportunity. And I being a bit, a huge advocate of portfolio specifically. What, what do you think of that? So, I mean, I pretty much, that's what I've been advocating, I would say for a very long time now, like, even though I was teaching AP classes when I was in the classroom, I was even petitioning the college board to not have my students have to take their AP English exam, because to me, that exam, as somebody who has a degree in English, that exam does not mirror whatsoever any English class that I took in college. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, you know what, but if you let my students submit their portfolio of work for you, they'll pay the fee, you'll use whoever, whatever readers you have hmm. to determine whether or not they've met the criteria for a college level course. I just felt that it gave my students, uh, you know, their, their research paper in particular, and then the other work that they did in the class, just, I don't know, it, it showed their body of learning in a way that a single exam just can't. So I mean, so you're getting, that's what yeah. you're getting. That's what you're getting. One of those for doing that because that is like I actually. This I think a lot of times when we, especially, it's going to make some people mad. When especially <laughs> when we specifically teach English, we almost teach some of our kids to write to um, to write in a way that prepares them to write in college, but not necessarily to write in a way we'd want to read. If that makes sense. Do you know sure. what I mean? Like, I don't want to, so I, I, I love all the people who listen to this. I, I'm not a big dissertation reader. Yeah, no. But I like blogs, you know, do you know what I mean? And so like, are we giving like a lot of more kids coming out of school and they know, they know how to write because they're English teachers, but they don't necessarily write in a way that they write after school if they don't go to college. Is that fair to say? Am I? 
It is. And I think that there, I mean, as a writing teacher, thinking about my role um, in developing skills for kids, I don't think I ever told my students they had to take my suggestions. I think I went into their, I went into their work reading like a reader, giving them feedback as a reader, like, hey, you might consider this. It's a little confusing here. And if you, you are the author, you make your choices about what it stays, but just Mm -hmm. be able to back up why you're keeping it the way that you are. If you're willfully breaking a lot of rules with the way you're writing, tell me why you're doing it. And that's, I mean, authors break rules all the time, but I mean, it has to be intentional. You need to know what you're doing and why you're doing it and what effect you're looking to get with it. And I think because I'm a writer myself, Hmm. I never wanted, like, I didn't have the right to tell a kid what the right. best writing looks like what who am I <laughs> I don't I still yeah. kind of struggle with that a little bit like you know even as a teacher just because I teach English just because I'm a writing coach doesn't mean I know everything and it doesn't mean my style of writing is for everybody but what you just suggested is true too I think the reason why my books do as well as they do is because they're practical mm-hmm. I'm not writing a research dissertation I'm writing ways that teachers teachers will pick up the book They'll read something. They'll be able to implement it immediately. Yeah, to me, that's meaningful. And it, it, it ha- I know this sounds weird. It has to be like I wrote Innovators Mindset specifically trying to write a book that I hadn't read in education. Not necessarily the ideas, but the the way I wrote it. More sure. conversational, more kind of like joking around, stuff like that. Because you can have the best ideas in your book, but if I can't make it past the first five pages because I'm bored, then mm. I'll never get the ideas. And I think, you know, and I'm not... I don't think that anyone that's listening to this is like, well, I really like the super academic. Great. That's awesome. And there's a lot of those opportunities, but I didn't think there was many in the other side. So I thought, Hey, there's probably an audience that's being missed out here. So um, I do have three questions for you, but I'm going to just start with one that just a real quick one. Just give us a quick overview of your book. And by the way, it is linked down below. Uh, You can pick up and check it out. Uh, down below in the description. So tell us a little bit, just kind of give us the one to two minute overview of student-led assessment, promoting agency and achievement through portfolios and conferences. Sure. So, I mean, most folks who have read the hacking assessment work, like I've done different pieces of all of it, like the peer feedback, I've done separate things on reflection. I've done things on self-assessment. So this was like the last piece of what do you do when you go gradeless? Um, And basically what it does is it starts with building a learner centered environment where, you know, making mistakes is valued and all the things you need to do to build a learning culture in the space. The the book's broken up into three sections. Um, And then it also kind of defines what a portfolio is, Mm -hmm. um, because too many people still think portfolio is just like a collection of where we throw all our stuff. And it's really more of a dynamic workspace where kids could see progress, track progress, set goals, kind of do all the things. Um, then the second part is all about building those specific structures, what what it looks like when you're determining criteria for selection, what it looks like in your classrooms and vocabulary specific so that you're teaching kids to speak about their learning so that they can advocate for what they need in that space. And then the last section is kind of like broken into how do we scaffold this throughout the school year where we're building capacity in kids so that they could, you know, in the first semester when you're doing a student-led conference, 
it's the teacher is going to be the one that's leading with questioning and kind of getting them ready to have that conversation so that by the time they get to the end of the year, they're the one leading it completely. Like they know what their yeah, goals are. They know what work best describes their right. learning. They could speak to all the things. And then there's like a bonus little section of teachers modeling their own growth and learning by developing portfolios of their own and doing it with the kids. I love this. I, so you, we didn't know that we were doing this work because I, I've been doing this work for a long time too. And this is, this is something I'm very, very passionate about. Uh, mm -hmm. I, you're going to love what I'm going to tell you. So I teach a, a class with UPenn and uh, it's on universal design for learning and Katie Novak and I split it up. So I do the first part, she does the second part. Mine's really on the focus on laying the foundation for innovation, education and UDL. The very first thing that I actually make the students do is create their own portfolio. So nice. I have a course on it and they go through it and they have to, and it is meant to be in a, and cause you mentioned grade lists, I don't give mm -hmm. grades in the course. So it's the portfolio they have, like, it's not, they all have to kind of make it kind of using the same platform, mm -hmm. but what, how they share their learning, share their thinking can be totally different. And they actually inspire ideas in myself. Like, I'm like, I didn't know that was a thing. That's a really mm -hmm. interesting way to sh share your ideas. But what I, I, and I try to get them to understand is this is meant to be conversational, not me telling you, you get an A, you get this. So if, if I need some more, if I need to like kind of dig more out of you and get a little bit understanding, do you understand the content we're sharing? I'll just ask you questions, but I'm not giving you a grade on this because a lot of people do things that I don't do, right? They have positions I never, like learning coach. I was never a learning coach. So for me to say like, hey, you're a learning coach. Here's how you are at your job. I don't know. Like you're the learning coach. And the, the biggest reason I do this, and you kind of touched on this, is I say, if you enjoy the process and you think this is beneficial, the expectation is that you start figuring out how to do this in your school context, because sure. you can't say, this is awesome. I love how this is taught. Anyways, I'm going to go back and do, so it's saying we need to immerse you in the type of learning and you see the value of it. And then you teach it. And that, that I love, I love what you said, cause it's totally mirrors my philosophy on this too. All right. Okay. Cause I, I could talk to you about this for hours and as well, much as I love it, go ahead, go ahead. You just said about how you do it with your, you know, with the adults that you're doing yep. it with. The reason I got into all this work as heavily as I did was I, I did national board certification a bunch of years ago, like way, way, way back. Um, yep. I guess like 2011 is when I got it. And that process, which is all about reflection and developing a portfolio, literally changed the way I thought about myself as a learner. Mm -hmm. And it also changed, like, I was like, this was such a powerful way for me to see myself as a learner. And there was so much learning that happened. And I didn't have a teacher telling me um, what I did well and what I didn't do well, so much as I videoed my class, I had to watch right. the video, I had to reflect on those things, I had to make recommendations to myself. And that metacognitive process was so powerful that I was like, this has to be a part of what goes on in my high school classroom because this is a skill set that my students are going to need regardless of what they do after 
school, whether they go into higher ed or they go into something else, being able to think about yourself as a learner in everything you do and be able to reflect on how successfully you're doing things, how to set your own goals, and then how to track those goals over time is just, it's an invaluable skill set, in my opinion. Well, and that, that was like, I know that you, you talk about, I'm like, you kind of answered the first question. Like, why did you write this book? So I'm going to go into the second one real quick. Um, the, you, you talk about conferences as well as this too. Yep. And the, the thing that, so as a, as principal, we implemented this, but we actually had, um, our staff do their own portfolios, Mm -hmm. but this is a really important thing. When I did that as a principal, I said, Hey, we want you to create your own portfolios using the same platform the kids are going to be using. And it's going to be a little bit different than how we've done evaluation of the past, but this is, this is important to me. We are, will no longer do these things. So we got rid of things very explicitly. We didn't say you're going to do everything that you've done in your evaluations in the past. Plus now you also have to do portfolios. So any educational leaders, if you're like looking to implement this, it shouldn't be, everything you do plus it should be like what can we do that's better and that was a really important aspect um of this but the the old school mentality for teacher evaluations i would go into a classroom observe them for 20 minutes they would pretend that they teach a certain way that they think i want to see right yeah right totally faking stuff then i'd leave and they're like okay you can go back to how you're acting prior and so then I'm supposed to say, here's the 11 things. Here's how you met them based on me watching you for 80 minutes or whatever. And I just, I just hate that idea. And so I still had to like report that as a principal, but when we started doing the portfolios and I think this is where the conference thing ties in beautifully. All I said to them, because they were like reflecting on their own practice, tell me where you're strong, tell me where you need to grow. And then they led the conversation. Yes. What was beautiful was they were doing that process. And then when the students did the portfolios, that's what it eventually became is that they had the students talking about what they understood, where they could grow, what they were really good at, instead of the teacher, you know, parents coming in saying your child does this, does this, it was this, you know, cause that's where the real learning happens is when you can kind of um, lead that way. So I, I love this. We are so aligned on this. Oh my God. All right. I love it. All right. So we kind of talked about why did you write the book? And obviously I feel like it can change a lot of things. So what do you hope ultimately people pick this book up? What do you, what do you see it achieving? Like what, what do you hope that it achieves with somebody who reads it? And you know, I don't, maybe I'm making an assumption here. I don't think this is a, a great for, you know, an individual, but I think it'd be really powerful for a school to read yes. it together because the issue that's happened in education is that someone gets really excited about this in grade five and then they really change your practice and then the grade six teacher is like nope and then it's like i understand the autonomy and how important it is but then you've lost all the momentum of the abilities of the kids and it's you know like it should be like what how does this help the learner and if it's beneficial to the learner how do we progress it so i think this is a book that's really meant to lend to not just it can individuals but it'd be better as a team i Am, am, I, am I wrong there? So what, no, like, no. what do you hope to achieve? So just like, like for me, it's always about what makes learning experiences innovative and thoughtful and engaging for all kids. And one of the things I've really learned about this sort of 
gradeless mentality yeah. is that when you're when you're providing a learning space that's not solely judged by one person, but as a community of learners, we're looking at each other's learning, we're helping each other grow. The environment itself is promoting an atmosphere where learning is is its own reward as opposed to a grade or whatever. Um, my hope is that schools will look at this process and say, you know what, we can do things differently. Do you have to go straight into throwing out everything? No, there's lots of stuff in there you could do right away that will work with your traditional practices. And hopefully once you get more confident in those, you kind of start pulling some of the scaffolds out so that you can change things because people see how powerful it is in action. Um, I am lucky enough to work, I'm working with a district right now um, in Delaware that's building a portfolio assessment system for their entire secondary, which is brilliant because this kind of stuff usually lives in the elementary section. Like it's really easy to do this work in elementary standards-based assessment and then portfolio because you're not really beholden to transcripts and grades and all the things for colleges, or at least that's what secondary tells themselves. Um, but a lot of higher ed is changing now too. I work mm -hmm. with a lot of higher ed folks who are doing this work, doing it really, really well, not assessing students at higher ed. Um, and it, it's really the admissions process that seems to be the thing that turns off high, you know, like um, secondary toward this kind of work, but it can be done. So I'm hoping that this book at least just offers people a suggestion for something different that will work for more, if not all of their kids, maybe start engaging those dialogues with parents and communities before they make maybe even bigger grading and assessment reform in their spaces. I think it's a great intermediate step to get towards that kind of like, we're not going to keep the traditional sense of standardized testing and grading and judgment of learning in that capacity. So that's what I really hope that people will see room in their own classrooms and schools to do something that's really more an authentic sort of representation of what kids know and can do. You know, I, so I wrote a, I wrote a series on rethinking assessment and I, I talked to, about one of the things you reference and the mentality that at high school level, we have to do grades because colleges expect that. Yep. And then, but here's the interesting thing. Some of the colleges I work with say, oh, we have to do grades because that's what the high schools are producing. So it's like, hey, let's, we want to move forward, but it's the other, per, you know, it's the other group that won't let us. And it's like, somebody's got to make this move. And one of the stories I shared was um, a student I, I, just actually saw their their portfolio and I connect with their teacher and they applied to a school and they actually didn't get in on their grade. So they contacted the school and they said, Google me. And they looked at their portfolio and said, yeah, we'll take you. Cause they saw, they could tell, have a better understanding of their, their learning, their abilities through the portfolio that they couldn't get that snapshot in just looking at a grade. So right. like somebody has got to make the move. And so I, 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 I think that's such a powerful thing. And I, I'm going to link that that um, series down below too. All right. I actually did know, George, your reference twice. Like you're in my references. I have two of right. your blog hold posts. On, up. <laughs> Self shout out. Yeah. Recommended reading for uh, oh, good. a good 
Yeah. I appreciate that. All right. Okay. I, I'm going to kind of mix up this last question. Okay. Fair enough. So I, I have the question, what's one thing you learned through the process, but mm -hmm. I, I, and I am going to kind of ask you about that. Cause you kind of did talk about this, but it's, it's kind of weird in the sense that both you and I have, I, and maybe I'm wrong, have an understanding of this, not because we've researched it, but because we did it for ourselves. Yes. And we saw the value of it. And then we talked about it. And that that's me. So like, would you say, like, almost, I know this sounds weird. Is this book like almost one of your portfolio items or was pulled from your portfolio items? Like, is that is that like, is that weird to kind of say because a lot of my writing has come from me just sharing my learning and then actually kind of, you know, solidifying it? Is that fair to say like, it's almost it's not you just talking about this from the viewpoint of a teacher, but actually going through this experience yourself. Yes. I mean, I would say most of my books are written that way, like mm -hmm. directly written from the classroom, from experience, whether, and that's why I also try to get folks who are in the classroom right now doing the stuff so that the examples that I have are relevant and not just in English in high school, but they're K higher ed and they're in all different kinds of subjects because I'm sure you've gotten this too, although your books are kind of content agnostic in terms of like mm. in, in more of a yeah. leadership vein as opposed to like people read my stuff. My examples are generally English or journalism because right. that's what it's taught. And then it's like, well, I can't do that in a math class or I can't right. do that in a, a science class. So whenever I could get math and science folks who are doing the work to participate in that experience and be like, yeah. no, no here are people who are doing it in those other areas. And this is what it looks like in those spaces. So there is research that underwent because I did look at how other people did these kinds of things, but the school I was in the longest, I was on the portfolio committee, me and two friends, and we developed the school's portfolio handbook. And we kind of did all that work while I was still in the classroom. So this does like, I actually give a shout out to my two co-committee um um georgia and alejandro the two of the the three of us together spent a lot of time doing mm -hmm. research when we were in the classroom when we were putting together that handbook and that became the basis of a lot of work i did later um on my own because i was definitely a little more comfortable going outside the normal than a lot of my colleagues were back then um, I just, I'm one of those people who refuses to color in the lines. It's mm -hmm. one of those things, like if it's not working, I'm not going to do it just because you told right. me to do it. Right. I, I kind of just want to do the big F you to the world on that one. <laughs> like, let's, let's see what works for kids. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I will fight even at my own yep. peril to make sure kids get what they need. And if that means I have to break every single rule in the book, right. I will. Well, and, that, and I think that goes back to the beginning of the conversation, right? Don't just say this doesn't work. Give me something that does and show mm -hmm. this. And so, uh, first of all, sorry, thanks for being on the podcast. I, I hope this book does really well. I'm really passionate about this stuff. So, I, you know, and this is my assumption on this. Some of you listening right now are like, you know what? We're nowhere near this space. I don't think it's written for you to say, we're getting rid of this and we're totally going to this overnight. But I guarantee you there's things that you can kind of scaffold, you know, as Star was saying, on the way to that process. So um, thanks. Thanks for being on the podcast. I hope the book does very, very well. I think 
this is really important. Um, if you're listening to this and you're like complaining about standardized tests, you're complaining about grading, here's your chance. Here's your chance to, you know, to learn from someone who's already done it. So thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. Take care.